0: high and deep touchdown Wisconsin and this game is
1: underway with a bang this is where the lacrosse area gathers to
0: talk Wisconsin sports the Wisco sports show is on the air join in by phone or text at 796-2558 now here's Grant Bills I know it goes against everything I've talked about everything I said regarding college basketball, but I had a blast last night. I had a good time watching the national championship game. And we, we talked yesterday about how college basketball is very different than B, the NBA and in a lot of ways, right? And the NHL playoffs are different than college basketball. They're almost polar opposites in the way that it's played, coached, and in the way that the playoff structure is set up. And, and I said, yeah, I like the NBA a little bit more. Last night, I, 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 I had a great time. And it probably didn't hurt that the Brewers weren't starting until after 9, and there was nothing else going on, and my roommates turned on the game for me. All I had to do is just come sit down. It, it was very easy for me last night to just ease right in and watch some college basketball. Virginia winning the national title last night, 85-77. We have a lot to cover on the Wisco Sports Show today. We have a lot to get to between the Bucks and the, and, and the Packers, and, and we might throw the Brewers in there as well. They lost in Anaheim last night, probably long after most of us went to bed. But I wanted to start with the national championship game today because there are a couple of Wisconsin ties, mostly Tony Bennett. But but I had a good time and there are a couple interesting storylines about Virginia last night. So I just thought we'd start with that. And then wherever we go, we go. You can join me uh, in on the conversation. 608-796-2558 is the five star telecom talk and text line going into last night. I didn't really care who won. I wasn't cheering hard for any one particular team or any one particular player. By the end of the night, I I, I was all aboard on Virginia. I wanted to see Virginia win. But when I sat down, I I really didn't care. And I don't think I would have lost sleep had Texas Tech won. The game went to overtime. It was an excellent game. Both teams trading blows. Virginia looked dead to rights. With about 20 seconds to go, managed to hit a big shot uh, and took advantage of maybe a favorable call or or a a bad defensive alignment or play from Texas Tech. It was a good game. It was was very back and forth. It was very entertaining. and, And as you can imagine... A lot of people in the state of Wisconsin, all over the state of Wisconsin, really identify with Tony Bennett. I'm not here to hate on that because I, they have Wisconsin ties. I'm only 21. I don't really have much memory. Well, I don't have any memory pre-Bo Ryan. Bo Ryan is what I knew, and now we have Greg Gard. I, I, I don't remember that far back. I wasn't alive that far back. Personally, I don't really have any connections, but Wisconsin people love to identify with Tony Bennett, and he is a very likable guy. I'm not going to hate on Tony Bennett. He is very composed. He's very mellow. He's very classy. We saw that last year uh, when they lost to the 16 seed, the first time that had ever happened in NCAA tournament history. He's an easy guy to cheer for. He is not the screaming, spitting Tom Izzo or, or the sweating, yelling, animated Bruce Perlin. And maybe you like that kind of coach. I like my coach to be a little bit more composed with, of course, an occasional outbreak, right? You like to see the coach get mad every once in a while when you feel though it's deserved. I, Tony Bennett's an easy guy to cheer for, and it, it was nice to see Virginia win last night, and it makes for one of the better stories in sports in the last couple of years to have Virginia be the first one seed to ever lose to a 16 seed last year in what was it, University of Maryland, Baltimore County, UMBC, and then to turn around just about 365 days later and win the national title. It, it, it was a cool story. So it was a feel-good story last night. Outside of that, I don't really know what it means. There was a lot of discussion this morning about the officiating last night, because there was a long, uh, a long replay in overtime, and then the ball, the, the call was changed. The ball was uh, afforded to Virginia, and what people had to say about that, and his replay actually hurting the sport. Like I, was leaving my house today, and one of my roommates were watching. Uh, I believe it was Speak for Yourself on Fox Sports One. So with Jason Whitlock and Marcellus Wiley and everybody who, uh, who goes into that show, and, and Whitlock started the show by saying, "It's the luckiest title run I've ever seen from Virginia." The three-point uh, foul call that they got last week against Auburn uh, to propel them, into, and yeah, you had to make the three free throws, but but the whistle definitely helped. And then last night, uh, possibly getting the advantage of a, of a reversed replay. Look, were they? Yeah, they were lucky calls, but you need a little bit of that, right? How, just look at the Patriots just months ago. D. Ford lining up offsides, they win the coin toss in overtime. It's those little things that people forget about for the most part. It's easier to hold on. Uh, and, and and be angry about it when it's the Patriots, right? But, I mean, Packers championship run. Jay Cutler gets hurt. Say what you want about Jay Cutler, but he was a better option than Caleb Haney, right? You get lucky every once in a while. The ball bounces your way. And that's just, that's what goes into a championship. I, I don't necessarily know if, if last night was a bad use of instant replay, but what I don't like to see, and, and I was cheering for Virginia at the time, but when they overturn that call, I'm like, really? Really? Because... I think if you watch a replay as slow as possible and from all the different angles, you can make a case probably for either side, especially when it's that close. And it was close. The ball getting punched out of the player's hand. Well, did it graze his pinky on the way out? I I, I don't know. For years and years and years and years and years, that's Texas Tech ball, right? And and this year, at this moment in time, with that replay and that angle at that speed, it becomes Virginia's ball. I I don't know. It it seemed like they were reaching for a call that, that wasn't obvious. And that's why they say you need indisputable video evidence, right? Because then you avoid trying to create an angle, create a way to see it in a different light, in a, in a different result, right? I, I just thought that was, ah. And of course, Virginia had to hit the shots, they did. Texas Tech could have got stops, could have hit shots, they didn't. I, I'm not saying it was decided by officiating, but that call last night, I I, I fell for Texas Tech a little bit there. Because I think when they went to the replay, they're just like, well, let's just check real quick. And then they said, well, wait a minute. Well, wait a minute. What if we look at this way? Oh boy, look at it this way. I-, I don't know. It starts, it feels like you're digging for something that you weren't really expecting to find. But once you you uncovered a little corner, you had to keep digging. And I don't know if that's necessarily fair or correct or right. I don't know. The, I mean, it was the correct call. Yeah, it looked like it touched his pinky on the way out. But I don't know if that's the actual use, the 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 effective use of video replay. I don't know. That's just one man's opinion. And I don't think college basketball will make a change. I don't think there's going to be adjustments or complaints. I thought both teams handled themselves really well last night. And I thought Auburn and its players and its coach handled it really well last week. With that three-point foul call that ultimately allowed Virginia to win if they hit free throws. Yeah, they had to hit the free throws, but it gave them the opportunity. I, I, I thought we've seen a really good example of some class uh, and some good composure from coaches and players the last couple of weeks. So... Outside of Tony Bennett and Virginia winning a title and it being a great story after last year and the Wisconsin Ties, that was fun. I also was really impressed the last two weeks with the coaches and the players and in post-game interviews and the way they handled themselves as well. I was really impressed. This is the Wisco Sports Show presented by Play It Again Sports. You're listening to WKTY. I hope you're having a good night. Uh, The Brewers didn't get it done last night, and like I said, that game probably wrapped up after most of us were well asleep uh, with a 9-10 start out in Anaheim, and unfortunately, that's the case again tonight. I don't want to talk a whole lot about the Brewers yesterday because I don't know if they really provided us with anything new last night. I do, however want to talk about the well, okay. I don't want to talk about the Green Bay Packers. I feel as though we have to talk about the Green Bay Packers, right? Are you ready for some football? I'm I'm not ready, but I'm I I guess I am because I feel like we have to. It's been a he said this, he said this, back and forth. Well, I don't really want to get into what Greg Jennings had to say or Jermichael Finley or what the rebuttal was to the rebuttal to the original comment. I it's just a lot of drama and I'm really not about that. I want to know what affects the Packers on the field. Because as fans of our Wisconsin sports teams, and that's our focus on the Wisco Sports Show, are are the Packers going to win more or less games this year? Is Aaron Rodgers going to be a better quarterback? Is Matt Lafleur going to be able to to, to patchwork this thing and and galvanize this locker room together to start winning games and and approach making the playoffs again? That's what my focus is. Although, in Aaron Rodgers' interview yesterday, there was a nugget or two that made me open my eyes a little bit. Made me say, hey, wait a minute. Because I don't really care what Aaron Rodgers has to say about Greg Jennings. I really don't care about what Greg Jennings has to say about McCarthy and Rodgers and the way the Packers handled themselves and some weird offhand comment that Aaron Rodgers made back in 20, 2008 or whatever it was, right? I, I don't care. This was interesting, specifically about the details of Aaron Rodgers' injury last year. And I was talking to a couple of people about around the building, and they all had different opinions. And I would imagine me... And you, our listeners, have differing opinions as well. So if you care to chime in, and if you want to get into the dirt and the drama of Jennings v. Rogers, well, really Rogers versus the world right now, you can find me on the five-star telecom talking text line, 796-2558, and we can talk about it there. But coming up next, I want to start uh <laughs> the tip of the iceberg for the Packers conversation is what Aaron Rodgers had to say about his injury last year. We'll cover that. Coming up next is the Wisco Sports Show rolls on right here on WKTY. <laughs> WISCO Sports Show rolls on, presented by Played Against Sports, right here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Hope you're doing well. We're talking Green Bay Packers football, or we are about to begin to talk about Green Bay Packers football. I And I was talking to Dave uh, of Mornings with Dave and Scrady earlier today. Of course, you hear them in the mornings here on WKTY. I, I, I'm just not interested in the drama. I don't care. I don't really have an opinion about what Aaron Rodgers has to say about Greg Jennings or vice versa. It's hard for me to get myself riled up to talk about it, get myself interested to talk about it, because I don't care. I want the Packers to get better and win more games. I'm a Wisconsin sports fan. I'm a Green Bay Packer fan. That's what we focus on here on the Wisco Sports Show. This is not a soap opera. Unfortunately, it's gotten so loud that it's been difficult to ignore. It would almost be irresponsible to not talk about it. I want to focus on what I think matters, From the last couple of days. And you can join me on the 5 Star Telecom Talking Text Line. 608-796-2558. Also on Twitter at KeystrokerGrant and at WKTY. The the weirdest, wildest, most outstanding portion of this interview. Didn't have to do with Greg Jennings or Jermichael Finley. Or about Aaron Rodgers' personal life or his leadership style. It was actually about his injury. And the specific details about his injury last year. Aaron Rodgers coming out and said, well, actually, my leg was busted up pretty bad. It was actually broken. Actually, my concussion was really bad. I I, I could barely see. And I'll tell you more about those details from, from the full interview uh, that, that he had with ESPN Milwaukee with Jason Wildey and, and Mark Tauscher because apparently those are the only two guys he opens up to. I'll be honest, if LeBron did something like this, I, I'd hate it. I'd think it's the lamest thing ever. Coming out after an unsuccessful season or, or after a a, a stretch or a time that you didn't look good. Say LeBron James goes on a horrible losing streak. Teammates turn on him, doesn't look good. So he comes out and says, well, actually, you know, that little tweak in my hammy that I said I had, it was way worse. It was way worse than I said. I was playing through pain. I I was playing through all this. And then that kind of changes the narrative, right? Now, I'm not accusing Aaron Rodgers of lying about his injury. The timing is a bit, not suspect, but the timing is a bit obnoxious to you're having Aaron Rodgers, publicity-wise, is probably having the worst year of his career, and it's still not horrible. There's plenty of people coming out into his defense, both in the media and former players, all that stuff. But he's had a rough year, and he comes out and says, well, actually, last year, I, I my leg was broken. I had a sprained MCL all year long, and I had a concussion, and I played through it all. And I'm kind of like, oh, come on. Like, I, And it's impressive, right? Don't get me wrong. And we'll talk more about that injury here in a second, but if another player did this, I don't know if I if I would, I think it would bug me. I think I would find it obnoxious. I'm not saying that I love or hate what Aaron Rodgers did. I, I just kind of wanted to be honest, wanted to put it into perspective a little bit. Let's start with Aaron Rodgers first talking about his knee. Because remember, Aaron Rodgers had two injuries last year. One sustained in the Bears game, which was his knee. And it, there were multiple problems between an actual bone and his MCL. But then later on in the season, when he should not have been playing, uh, he sustained a concussion. So let's start with the knee and the details about the knee. Like I said, most of this information uh, and these quotes, while well, all the quotes are coming from his interview with ESPN in Milwaukee with Mark Tauscher and Jason Wildy, this is what he had to say about the knee. Talking specifically about week one and, and, and the hit in the Chicago game, he says, if you watch the hit back, just my two bones that come together on the outside just kind of made an indent fracture. Very painful. The good thing was it's not super weight-bearing. Load-bearing every single time, but there's definitely some movements and things you do naturally that affected it. The MCL was frustrating as well, because it did start to get better, and then Christian Jones tackled me on the sideline in Detroit early in the game and basically reset the whole thing. I don't feel like after the first quarter of the season, the first game, I, was really, was, I, I wasn't 100% the entire year. That's not an excuse for the way I played or didn't play, but it limited my mobility for a good part of the season. And that's the end of the quote. So talking about how that injury went down, exactly what he was playing through, and Aaron Rodgers even kind of comes out at the end, throws that disclaimer. Now that's not an excuse for the way I played, not an excuse for the way things went down. Just want you to know it definitely limited my mobility, definitely impacted the way I played. Right, throwing that out there as a disclaimer at the end. Well, specifically the medical term, and I'm I'm not a doctor here, so bear with me as I try to uh, pronounce this. Uh, he had a tibial plateau fracture. Did I get that right? I think I got that right. Tibial plateau fracture and a sprain MCL, which is what he talks about the, the hit in the Detroit game, reset the healing process, reset the process with his MCL, which has got to be frustrating. And I, and I, it was interesting because the tibial plateau fracture, a lot of people are talking, well, that's what Kobe Bryant missed portions of a season with. That's what kept J.J. Watt. Well, Kobe Bryant had a couple different things going on, but that that's factually correct. That is true. J.J. Watt missed almost the entirety of 2017 with a tibial Plateau fracture, and I did a lot of fact checking on that because that's something that I saw floating around on on Twitter. Wow, Rogers didn't miss a game. JJ Watt had surgery and missed the whole season with that tibial plateau fracture. And and keep in mind, different positions, different bodies. Everybody reacts and handles these different injuries differently. But I wanted to do some digging. I said, is that the the specific exact injury that affected JJ Watt? And it was from everything that I found. Same same wordage, uh, same verbiage, same injury. And J.J. Watt missed the entirety of 2017. Now, J.J. Watt, you talk about something being load-bearing. J.J. Watt's a lot heavier. J.J. Watt's a lot bigger. And as many shots as quarterbacks sometimes take, especially against a strong pass rush like the Bears or like the Vikings, J.J. Watt probably takes a little bit more of a beating on his body than a quarterback, right? Not nearly as protected uh, through the rule book and through the way that the game is played. So I'm I'm not saying that it's some act of God and, and Aaron Rodgers is incredible for simply walking But there is something to be said that Aaron Rodgers went out there and played for a head coach that apparently he hated with teammates that some of which he hated for an organization that he had began to resent and in a season where he knew they probably weren't going very far. I don't know whether to be impressed. I don't know whether to be frustrated because to be completely honest, I don't know what in the hell the Packers were thinking last year. At least after they missed out on the playoffs. If you want to play Aaron Rodgers until you were eliminated from the playoffs, that, that's your choice, right? I don't know if I agree with it, but shutting Aaron Rodgers down just because you don't think you're going to make the playoffs could be one approach. But as soon as they were eliminated, Aaron Rodgers is playing with a fractured leg and a sprained MCL? Nuh-uh. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. You just gave him all that money, $100 million guaranteed, $130 million total. First year of his contract, and you're going to run him out there? A year after he sustained a, a, a big injury? No! What the hell? And we heard a lot of Packers media people and, and talking heads around the Green Bay, whether they're writers or, or, like I said, radio or TV hosts, say that it was borderline negligent by the Packers to put him out there. Borderline irresponsible to put Rodgers out there the last couple of weeks of the year. And at the time, I'm like, okay, way to be dramatic. Way to make sports seem much bigger than it is. But let's be real. Aaron Rodgers is a $130 million investment over the next handful of years. It is irresponsible to throw him out there. It is reckless and negligent to throw him out there. If he's playing on a broken leg, my God. And that wasn't even the worst part of it. Aaron Rodgers talking about his concussion that he sustained in the last uh, game of the year. This is what he said. And, and look, maybe the thought process around a concussion is, okay, if he if he sustains a concussion in week 17, he's got a full off season. It, it shouldn't be the end of the world. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you're right. You never know how concussions start to stack on top of one another. Look at Sam Shields. This is what Aaron Rodgers had to say regarding his concussion. He said, I couldn't see. I lost vision. Definitely peripheral. I got hit and came to the sideline and I was sitting on the bench. I went back out there and by that third series, the normal 180 degree vision shrunk like blinders. It was the first time I ever took myself out of a game, but I didn't have any lingering effects. I was talking with our docs and I felt like I would have been cleared, actually, that next week. Because, again, head injuries are all different. Devontae Adams took that crazy shot and then played the next week because some guys bounce back and some guys don't. I've had zero recurring issues, which is good to hear for Packers fans, right? That Aaron Rodgers has not experienced recurring issues, not only with his concussion, but back to 2010, when he's had concussions in the past, more than one in a year sometimes. To hear that he has never had recurring symptoms is, is a relief. What the hell are the Packers doing putting him out there? He's already got a busted leg. He's already got a sprained MCL. A depleted offensive line on the right side. What the hell? And I and I was confused as the next guy last year when they threw him out there in the Jets game and allowed him to take shots in the Jets game. And then in the Detroit game under Joe Philbin, who you knew wasn't going to be the coach. And alongside players you knew were on their way out like Randall Cobb and Clay Matthews. And I understand that football players are competitive. That this, this is their job this is their life to go out there and compete and I cannot possibly fathom and I can't the drive and what it means to them to put on the cleats and go out there and play and that's all 100% true I, I can't imagine and I can't fathom that feeling and that emotion but who is the adult at Lambeau Field if you want to be specific who is the adult at 1265 Lombardi if you really want to sound like a like an obnoxious radio host right who's the adult it wasn't Mark Murphy It wasn't Mike McCarthy. It it sure as hell wasn't Ted Thompson at the time. Brian Gutekunst, I don't know if if he's even uh, been allowed to spread his wings and been allowed to do exactly what he wants, which is manage a football team. Who is the adult? Because my God. First of all, I I think Packers fans should be concerned that did nobody know about this? And if not, are the Packers in danger of being disciplined? We had that happen with the Seahawks a couple of years ago where they were not disclosing injuries. And New England was doing the same thing. They had to forfeit draft picks. Man, this whole situation just, it, 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 it gleans back to the question, who was the adult in the room last year? Because the more we learn and the more we analyze it, I don't think there was one. Who told Aaron Rodgers? Who came down to tell Aaron Rodgers, look, Aaron, I understand your passion for the game and you want to compete, and this is your reputation as a leader and as a gritty football player who cares about his coach and cares about his teammates, but you're not playing, and that's that's final. There has to be that voice. I don't care if it's Mark Murphy or if it's Brian Gutekunst or if they leave that up to the head coach, but somebody has to shoulder that responsibility. And last year, no one did. I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers was bigger than the entire organization, but apparently they were all scared to tell him what everybody knew, what everybody thought, and what should have been the consensus obvious decision is to sit him down. I I still can't wrap my mind around it. And I know last year at the time, people were being dramatic with it, calling it irresponsible, calling it it, uh, negligent. I don't don't want to be dramatic here, but yeah, it was. You make a $130 million investment, you don't just let it hang out in the wind. And that's what the Packers did last year. And I, and I, I still can't wrap my mind around it. I hope we are beginning to close the door on what was a dysfunctional couple of years for the Green Bay Packers. Now, I told you I wasn't interested in the back and forth uh, in the discussion regarding Greg Jennings, Aaron Rodgers, or Michael Finley. I do want to keep talking Packers because it is very pertinent right now. We got to kind of try to figure out this puzzle. So we'll keep the Packers conversation going, the football conversation going. Bucks talk on the way before 6 o'clock when we say goodbye as well. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show presented by Play it Again Sports. More to come here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show presented by Play It Again Sports here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for hopping aboard. We are talking football. We're talking about the Green Bay Packers and all the drama that comes with it. Are you ready for some football? Yeah, I'm not about the drama. We're here to take it in. We're here to talk about it today because a little reality TV uh, is good for everybody once in a while. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talk and text line. And this will get people talking. Let's go to the five-star telecom talking text line. Caller, welcome to the Wisco Sports Show.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah.
0: Let's talk some Packers.
1: Well, as, as I mentioned to you just a minute ago here, maybe it's only me, but why did this news come out so late and right on the heels of Rodgers saying he said this and McCarthy saying he said that? It just seems to be pretty strange to me.
0: I don't understand how that works because teams are required to disclose injuries, right? We've heard about teams in the past, like the Seahawks, like the Patriots getting in trouble for not disclosing these injuries. I'm a little bit interested about it too. Does this make you change your opinion last year about Aaron Rodgers playing? Like, let's go back to week 16, week 17 last year. Were you mad that Aaron Rodgers were playing? Were you okay with it? And now has, has your opinion changed knowing this?
1: I will tell you this, and I'm not trying to start trouble. I'm not a Packers fan. (laughs) Sure. But I will tell you this. I think he was more worried about Aaron Rodgers than he was the Green Bay Packers doing that. That was my opinion. What did you have to gain there at that point? They were out of it. I know he's a competitor. I know he wants to do, you know, lead his team and so on. But I didn't see a gain out of that at all. And if he truly had a broken leg, that was really irresponsible of a number of the Packers. That's the way I see
0: this. Well, and and I loved both of the points that you just made, and, and I appreciate the phone call. I appreciate you joining me on the five-star telecom talking text line. Something really interesting that you said. There, there was nothing to gain, right? Well, for the Packers, once they were eliminated from the playoffs, you're right, there was nothing for the Packers to gain. It was actually hurting the Packers in more ways than one. They were winning games, which is going to get them a worse draft pick, although that's, that's kind of a smaller detail. They were risking the, this long-time investment of the Packers, right? They just put 130 million dollars into this guy and now and now they're going to run him out there. There was nothing to gain for the Packers. Now for Aaron Rodgers on the other hand, there is a little something to gain, right? And and it's it's almost backwards, right? Because when you think about a player playing through injury, they're putting it in the, on the line for the organization. You know, they they're playing with loyalty to their organization because they 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 respect their head coach, their their front office, their GM, the, the logo, all the fans. But in this situation, it might actually be backwards. Aaron Rodgers had more to gain than the Green Bay Packers by playing injured because Aaron Rodgers was defending his reputation, that he didn't care about the coach, that he didn't care about the teammates. So in a weird backwards way, Aaron Rodgers was almost doing himself a service by playing through an injury and doing a disservice to his own franchise, which is so backwards, which is so convoluted. But when you think about it, it's absolutely true. And that's something that I hadn't thought about. So I appreciate the caller for bringing that to my attention. You can join me at 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talk and text line. This is a, this is a touchy topic. Oh, and by the way, the caller said, I don't want to start anything. Look, we welcome everybody here. This is the Wisco Sports Show. Uh, I, I All viewpoints, all fan bases. Let's have it because this is a messy topic. And the more angles and the more, the more people we can hear from about it, we start to paint a better picture. This morning, I actually watched. I actually broke down. I watched ESPN. I had a morning class that was canceled, so I was kind of in uncharted water. So I turned on ESPN, and I was interested to see what they had to say on first take. Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman about this Aaron Rodgers situation, because ever since the Tyler Dunn Bleacher Report piece dropped, it's all been reaction and rebuttal from both sides, from the Packers, uh, from the people who spoke out against the Packers, and then people supporting Rodgers, people supporting Jennings. It's this this weird you know what measuring contest who has more support, who has more friends, right? And I actually was interested to hear what they had to say. We, we know that Stephen A. Smith loves him. Some Aaron Rodgers the a bad man that he is. You know, he's always taken that stance. I was more interested to hear what Max Kellerman said. Here's what's fascinating. Max Kellerman came out and said, Aaron Rodgers is, is possibly the best football player to ever play. I was like, Oh, I didn't really expect that. Right. And he's going on at length about how Aaron Rodgers is more skilled than any quarterback to ever play. He's more talented than any quarterback to ever play. And the Packers did him a disservice. The Packers made him a victim in all of this. Stephen A. Smith actually went farther and said, yeah, he is a victim. He's the victim in this whole story. Which, to be honest, isn't really what I expected, but I guess I'm not surprised. It's easy to hate on Mike McCarthy now that he's out the door and unemployed. It's easy to hate on Ted Thompson now that he is on his way out of football, it appears as well. And it's easy to hate on Mark Murphy because who, it's easy to hate on owners. Jerry, We do it to Jerry Jones all the time, right? The Haslams with the Browns, we hate on them all the time. The Rooney's in Pittsburgh talk about how they're great or talk about how they're messing up. Like, owners are easy to hate on. They don't have huge social media followings, right? So they can't really burn you back. They're old white men for the most part, right? They're easy to hate on. So it's easy to take the side of Aaron Rodgers. I just, I didn't think it would be that heavy handed. I didn't think it would be Aaron Rodgers is the best player of all time. Aaron Rodgers is the victim in all of this because you kind of have to do some mental gymnastics to read that piece which was incredibly long, and come out on the other side saying, wow, poor Aaron Rodgers. Because that's not really how it was scripted. That's not really how it was laid out. Have to do some mental gymnastics in order to come to that conclusion. And, and part of that's making an entertainment TV show. I'm not discounting that portion at all. Whether it's right or wrong, it's it's entertainment. It's a debate. There's two sides. I, man, I, I was fascinated. I, I hopped over to Fox uh, this morning as well to hear what Nick Wright and Chris Carter had to say on First Things First. And I... I don't watch Undisputed with Skip and Shannon. It's funny sometimes I'll tune in to be entertained, but I don't think there's a whole lot of substance there. Nick Wright is one of the people that I respect most, I think, in sports media because he's very bright. He is very analytical. He oftentimes brings facts and statistics to his arguments and not fandom. He's not fanatical, right? And he made a very interesting point on the timeline of Aaron Rodgers. Let's go all the way back to when he won the Super Bowl and was on top of the world in 2010 to right now. He said that years ago, specifically when Aaron Rodgers was winning MVPs and winning Super Bowls, that he could do no wrong. That he was the golden boy, that he he was an angel and you could not criticize him, right? And now it's seemingly that he's blamed for every little thing. Two completely different ends of the spectrum, right? And I agree with that to some extent. There were those who criticized him back in the day. I remember in 2011, Merrill Hodge was all hot and bothered and Colin Cowherd's always been a Rodgers hater. And now he feels vindicated, obviously. And I I just don't think you can approach a player like that. With an on-off switch, right? Everything's on a spectrum. A spectrum is a much more accurate, it's a much more descriptive and telling way to approach any situation. Rather than yes or no, on or off, you're you're on a spectrum. Hot and cold, you're in the middle, you're, you're, you're sliding down, you're rising up. It's a much more accurate way to look at things, and we need to look at Aaron Rodgers as somewhere in the middle. That Yeah, maybe back in 2010, he wasn't the nicest to all of his teammates, and maybe his leadership style wasn't ideal, but because he was playing so damn good, and he melded so damn good with Mike McCarthy, and they were winning so many games, it didn't matter. So at the time, why would we criticize maybe the passive-aggressive style or the uh, aggressive-towards-teammate style of Aaron Rodgers? Because let's be real, it didn't matter. Players are okay with it because they were winning. They were getting theirs. Greg Jennings was piling up the catches. right? Jermichael Finley, before he got injured, was piling up the catches, so who cared? Yeah, maybe you didn't see eye-to-eye with him on everything, but winning fixes everything, right? Winning smooths everything over. It doesn't matter. So years ago, we didn't care. Well, now the Packers aren't winning, and somebody's got to be the scapegoat. Somebody's got to bear the cross. Well, Mike McCarthy's gone. And people aren't getting all hot and bothered over Mike McCarthy just because he's a well, I'm, and I don't mean to be personal here. He, he's a he's an old white guy who who is now out of an NFL job. Like he, he's not relevant in the same sphere that Aaron Rodgers is. He's not going to drive the clicks. Not going to drive the conversation. Doesn't have the connections that Aaron Rodgers has. So it's an easier conversation. Nick Wright claiming, well, yeah, years ago, Aaron Rodgers could do no wrong, and now he can do no right. I I, I think it's somewhere in the middle. And the narrative of the last couple of days has been. Well, yeah, Aaron or uh, Greg Jennings and Jermichael Finley criticizing Aaron Rodgers, but look at all the people who've come out in support. Casey Hayward today, I saw him tweeted about it. Jeff Janis coming out in support. James Jones obviously coming out in support. Devontae Adams, many people. I don't care. I don't care about either side. I'd like to think of myself as a likable person. Sometimes I, sometimes I can be really sarcastic. Sometimes I can be very dry and rub people the wrong way. There's people who don't like me. There's people, I have friends, probably have people who who think I'm kind of a pain in the ass. That's just the way that it is. And I'm sure that's the same with Aaron Rodgers. To, to sit and dissect and to pick apart what he said and what she said and what this coach said and what this front office member, we're going to drive ourselves crazy. I just don't care. I just don't care. Because unless Casey Hayward, in his opinion, is more important than Greg Jennings, which is not, or Jermichael Finley's opinion is more important than, than James Jones' opinion, which it's not, we're going to drive ourselves crazy. We're never going to win. We're never going to come to a definitive statement. And I have never seen a quarterback or an athlete, maybe in general outside of ones who have been accused of crimes or committed crimes that have had their personal life and off the field life criticized and put under the microscope the way that Aaron Rodgers has. Think about Ben Roethlisberger. I don't know Ben Roethlisberger, but I cannot imagine that he is a very pleasant person. Right? Just based on the things that we see over and over and over again and the things that we hear over and over and over again. I bet he's a pretty abrasive personality. We don't focus on that too much. There's times where we have, and then this offseason's been a little bit different. Tom Brady's been in literal shouting matches on the sideline with his coaches. Aaron Rodgers has been displeased. He's been dissatisfied. He's never done that. Oh, and by the way, and and I saw someone tweet this a couple of weeks ago, Eric Name writes for The Athletic, he doesn't even cover football. He covers the Bucs, and I thought this was one of the best thoughts about this whole situation at all. He said, since when has Brady been boys with, with anybody other than Alex Guerrero? I thought that was the issue here. man, that is a pretty good piece of perspective. Every player in the bright spotlight. So in, in the NFL quarterbacks, we picked them apart. We look for little things here and there. I think it's just Aaron Rodgers' time to be in that light right now. I, I don't think being passive-aggressive or being aggressive-aggressive is that rare in a quarterback, in a high-level athlete. They have egos because they have the talent, because they have the statistics. They have the credentials, right? I, look, comparing Rodgers to his contemporaries, I don't care what goes on in his family life. I don't care really about his personality unless it affects his ability to play football. And outside of injuries, it really hasn't. When Aaron Rodgers has been healthy, they've been good. And now that Mike McCarthy's out the door and that rift is, is hopefully passed on, however big it was or wasn't, Depending on who you ask, I'm just ready to be done personally dissecting Aaron Rodgers because you know what? I just don't give a damn. I don't care. I don't care. I'm just waiting for the day we can talk about who the Packers take in the draft, or or they're reporting to to training camp and and talk about position battles and talk about the games because this, this just doesn't do it for me. It's exhausting. And I think if you if you look at other players, there's a lot of similar characteristics. There's a lot of similar qualities. I don't think this is that outrageous. It's coming at a time and place where there's nothing else to talk about. So here we are. I want to talk about something else. Let's talk about something more fun. Let's go to the Bucs. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo making headlines today, not for his MVP race uh, or for his statistics or, or for the Bucs winning 60 games. He basically told LeBron James to piss off. I'll tell you exactly what I mean. Coming up next, wrapping up the Wisco Sports Show presented by Play it Again Sports right here on WKTY. segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host Grant Bills. The show is always presented by Play It Again Sports. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you're having a good night. I'm exhausted and I'm done talking Packers. Maybe you agree with me that I am done with the drama. I'm done with all the he said, he said, he said, he said. I don't care. I want to talk about real football. I want to talk about draft picks. I want to talk about training camp. I want to talk about winning or losing games. This just is not my thing. I'm not a reality TV person. This is kind of along the lines of reality TV, though, at least television, so I guess it's interesting enough. Uh, Giannis Cupo making headlines, and you probably just heard our good friend of the show, Zach Heilpern, say exactly this. So LeBron is uh, reproducing or producing a remake of Space Jam 1. It had Michael Jordan, obviously. uh, And trying to recruit NBA players to be in it. And Yana said, nuh-uh. And it's interesting enough because I... The whole conversation the last three weeks has been who's going to be the next face of the NBA because LeBron, after this season, whether he's getting old or whether he's just injured or whether his team isn't very good, he is he probably isn't the face of the league right now. I think it's in lieu. So who's going to be the next face of the NBA? Like is is that not mo- the the most stereotypical, obnoxious sports radio, sports TV question ever? Can Giannis be the face of the league? Well, he's a foreign-born player. I don't know. Oh, what about Joel Embiid or, or, or Steph Curry? Will he get about? I- that's not X's and O's, that's not games. It's an interesting conversation if you have three hours to fill. See, there's sometimes I'm glad we only have an hour because it means we talk about the most interesting, the most pertinent things, and I don't have to talk about crap like who's going to be the next face of the NBA. LeBron came to Giannis and said, hey, you want to be in Space Jam? And Giannis said, no. N- no, not really. An opportunity that, that, that for Giannis to get bigger gather a bigger spotlight, get more eyeballs on him, become maybe closer to becoming one of the faces, if not the the face of the NBA, like people have talked about, right? I don't think there is a lose option in here for the Bucs and Giannis. It's a win-win. Either he says, yeah, and look at how far the Bucs have come. They have a player in Space Jam in a movie. Or he says no, and everybody can say, Giannis does not going to waste his time with a movie with LeBron James. He's old. Giannis wants the ball. He wants to win. He doesn't want to be in movies. So it's a a good outcome either way. It's a good outcome from Giannis or or from Bucks and the Bucks fans. Either way. He declined the invitation. uh, and, And this is what he had to say. I don't like being Hollywood. I don't like all the extra drama. I'm just trying to be me. So there's the quote. And that's Giannis gets to build his brand a different way. Not by being in movies and not by... Being out in the public spotlight, but by saying I'm not about that, I want to play basketball, I want to win, I want to get better. It would have taken two weeks out of his private workouts in the summer uh, to be in this movie. The more details I read, he would have had to to hang out with LeBron and I I I would imagine other NBA players. LeBron's trying to get more than more than one. Working out with them while while uh, while filming this movie and Giannis doesn't want to do that. He's talked all the time about. Why would I work out with other players? Why would I play five on five with other players in the summer? I'm not—they're not my friends; they're my competition. And then that's part of his brand. And this is this latest—well, uh, I guess rejection of LeBron James kind of fits into that brand, fits into that narrative, right? I think it's a win-win for Giannis. It's a win-win for the Bucks. I. <laughs> I don't think there's a bad way for this to go. LeBron's in an interesting situation right now where not only is he trying to get players to come play with him in LA, and that's been difficult, but now he's shooting this movie, he's producing and directing and acting in the Space Jam sequel. And let's be real, LeBron's producing it. LeBron's the star. So LeBron's going to come out on top. So what's the sales pitch, right? If you're shooting a movie and you're the star, hey, Giannis, I I need somebody to dunk on on the other end. I need someone to take down. You want to be in my movie? And LeBron, (laughs) Giannis, say, why would I want to do that? Why would I want to make you money? Why would I want to be in your movie, get dunked on by you? I'm just trying to ball. I'm just trying to be me. I don't need to be in Hollywood. And it continues to be on par with the brand of Giannis, be on par with the brand of of kind of a a recluse, kind of a guy who just wants to focus on basketball and not be in the spotlight. Just family and ball. That's all he's about. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I hate Space Jam. I think it's a terrible movie. I'm not entertained by it. I know people carry nostalgia with it like they like the same thing with with the sandlot. I I don't like that movie. I think people hang on to the nostalgia. They hang on to what was. Oh, it's a great movie. It's a classic. Actually, I think it's kind of dumb. Space Jam is kind of dumb. I have no interest in in watching a movie that stars LeBron as Space Jam. Are you kidding me? In Space Jam? I don't need to see that. Brian Windhorst reported last week that LeBron hasn't been able to close some of the deals, that's a quote, to bring recognizable NBA onto uh players onto the cast, Chris Paul and Dwayne Wade, people are talking about maybe they're going to get him, but they're old. It, it would be like if you were to make an NFL movie right now, which is differently different circumstances, so it's probably not as likely. If you were to make an NFL movie, the first call you might make might be Patrick Mahomes. You'd probably want to talk to Deshaun Watson, right? You you'd want some young, exciting players who were going to be in the league for a while. You don't want to ask guys on their way out. You don't want to ask Tom Brady. That doesn't really fit his brand anyways. I don't know if that'd be believable. I don't even know if you'd want to ask Aaron Rodgers. You want to get the young. You want to get the exciting. The next big thing, right? What, are they going to have Chris Paul and Carmelo Anthony? I don't know. That'd be kind of a letdown. I don't know. I don't care about Space Jam 2. I just think it's fascinating that Giannis had an opportunity. The the city of Milwaukee and the Bucks had a player with an opportunity to star in Space Jam 2. Alongside LeBron James. And I think it's even more interesting and even better that he said, No, no, thanks. (laughs) I love it. I absolutely love it. That's enough talking about LeBron. Enough talking about Space Jam. The Brewers are going to be on WKTY tonight. nine oh 1st pitch. Which means pregame. Around 8-40. Here's the lineup. They just released it. And I was confused as hell. Because I'm looking at the names in the lineup. And I see Yelich, Kel- I see Kane. I see Braun. And I see Gamble. I'm like, what the hell? And then I remember they're playing in Anaheim. And they're going to have a designated hitter tonight. So here's the lineup. This game will be heard uh, in, in about two hours. Uh, because it is so late, Kane Yelich Braun at the top, and Braun is DHing in the three spot. Shaw Aguilar Mustakas, Grandal Gamel hitting in the uh, the what would be the eight spot in left field, and then Perez is playing at shortstop tonight instead of Arcia. So RC is going to be available off the bench. This whole American League thing always throws me for a loop because it's so rare. The NFL they play four AFC games a year, right? They have a they 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 do a couple. Four out of 16. That's a fourth. That's a quarter. That's a good amount. The NBA, you play Western Conference teams all the time. You play them twi- each team twice a year, right? The, the MLB, it's just kind of odd. Like, okay, I guess we'll go play a couple games in Seattle, even though we use different rules and players we've never heard of and ballparks that we haven't been to since 2003, right? It's odd. It always throws me for a loop. But that, that's the Brewers lineup tonight. You can hear them as they try to bounce back from last night's loss. And I'm going to stay up for it. I'm not going to expect you to do the same, uh, but I was talking to Dave, uh, of course, mornings with David Scraty. He can't stay up that late. He's got to be up at three. He's got to be up before three. I think he gets up at 2.30, actually. He can't be up watching a, a, a Brewer game that starts at 9.10. you kidding me? Oh, it takes it out of me. So the Brewers and the, uh, and the Angels tonight, it was pretty cool to see Mike Trout and Christian Yelich on the field at the same time last night. That's interesting. It'd be like seeing Rodgers and Brady play together. Probably even more so in baseball because interleague play is set up as such where you might... Mike Trout and Christian Yelich might not play again for years and years and years. It's just how it works. It's kind of an awkward random rotation. In the NFL, it's at least every four years. So every eight years, Aaron Rodgers would be in New England and vice versa with Tom Brady. It would be like watching Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady play in the same field. Two MVPs from last night, Mike Trout robbing a home run from Christian Yelich as well. Uh, which you hate to see but it's also pretty cool to see at the same time even though it's against your own team right so brewers 907 first pitch against the angels that game can be heard on WKTY tonight pregame around 8:40 uh, to get you the lineup to get you all the the updates and and all the the player transactions as well I'm sure because we know the brewers uh, like to manage their bullpen in that fashion Good show tonight. I hope to be done talking about the Packers drama, and I hope to be firing up with the draft talk pretty soon and talking about other things, more constructive things, more concrete things uh, than the reality TV show that's been going on. So we'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. Have a good rest of your night. Talk to you then.